This is Air Commander Starscream, and you are listening to Half Measures. Uh, Half Measures? Sounds like Megatron's battle strategy. <laughs> Kia ora and welcome to episode 129 of the Half Missions Podcast. I am once again joined by my friend and co-host, Mr. Paul Kanawa. How you doing, Paul? Dan, I am good. I'm raring to go. How you feeling? I'm feeling good. You know, we're um it's a bit wet to be honest. Um I feel like too much rain. It's depressing me. And they talk about seasonal depression, and I feel like th- this is it. I just feel like when is it gonna stop? There's slips on the road. There's boulders in my way. It's, I need an umbrella. The old, the old seasonal affective disorder, right? Well, we yeah. we've got to the end of the month, first of September for us people in the southern hemisphere. That's first day of first day of spring, right? Yeah, that that is good. Like I, I can I can sense the summer coming, and I can also like it's also getting a bit lighter at night as well. So it sort of feels like we're we're getting there, but it's I don't know. It just feels like it's been a hard winter pool. And maybe I'm just getting old and these things matter more to me, but bring on a bit of sunshine. Bring on the sunshine. Too much time inside watching TV and things. Indeed, indeed. Speaking of watching TV and things, what have you been watching, Mr. Canal? A couple of things for me this week. Firstly, I watched the new Scream movie, uh, which is the fifth movie in the Scream series that started way back in 96. And even though... Um, Scream 6 is already in production uh, with this big Scream 6 on it. This one was just called Scream. I'm not entirely sure. So 25 years after uh, the original uh, streak of murders shocked the quiet town of Woodsboro, a new killer dons the ghost face mask and brings uh, and begins targeting a group of teenagers to resurrect secrets from the town's deadly past. Um, so, so I watched this on a Saturday night and it felt like a you know a, a perfect kind of popcorn Saturday night movie, right? And when I was watching it, I was I was laughing, I was having fun, but I kept I found myself kept shaking my head a lot of the time, just thinking, oh, why is she doing that? Oh, that makes no sense. Or oh, there's no way the murderer could be them. You know, that's just ridiculous. But you know, that was Saturday. As, as the week has gone on, I've I've kind of just sort of been looking back, and I felt myself sort of reflect on the whole experience of watching this and you know just how much i actually laughed to myself about some of the things that they did i actually think i wasn't possibly i didn't come into this with the right uh head mindset i think i i was still back in the land of the 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 conjuring and um i didn't i didn't need that energy for scream because actually this was pretty good fun it's funny, eh, because the, the Scream movies back in the day, like and they sort of came, they were sort of in their peak when I was in my teenage years, they were they were kind of like the classic horror, I think, of my sort of generation. And particularly the first movie was so kind of, it, it kind of felt groundbreaking, even though there's, there's far probably better genres of horror out there. And I can imagine um, Sador is probably just rolling his eyes at me right now as I say this. But it was, it was... A, a good thing and I like I'm intrigued to watch this movie like it is on my list but I I agree with you I don't know like how will I get myself in the right zone to watch this movie because it kind of feels like a very kind of played out concept and I have heard good things about this mm. 
um, reboot's probably the wrong word, but kind of a revitalization of this movie. So, like, I think it's it's still going to be worth a watch, but I think you're right. Like, you can't go into it expecting uh, probably the, the greatness of the, particularly the original film. Yeah, that's right. I, I would say um, I think it's, I don't have a clear memory of the sort of some of the others since the first, but I would say that this feels like this is probably the best since the original. I think they have the, um, you know, the old gang are back, even though they're not front and center as much, they are a very big part of it. So, you know, the, the Courtney Cox, David Arquette, um, Neve Campbell and so on. And really crucially for me, even though it may be inconsequential is that they've got the original, um, phone voice, um, guy back whose name my apologies completely escapes you know but it is the same voice actor who's done the uh, the phone voice threat and even for me as a casual fan it's what keeps this bad guy threat feeling sort of real in the universe it's it's, it's just i mean it's not quite the same level but it's the franchise equivalent of like peter cullen returning to voice optimus prime or, or or james or jones returning to voice vader in the obi-wan series it's just it really um keeps it very real and there's nothing like just seeing the phone be answered and just hearing that hi sydney you know that sort of it's 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 great the gold coming from inside the house <laughs> ah! it's, um, and just the way they play it out i think is a really i think you know this this obviously is without Wes Craven. Um, but I feel like it's a really good tribute to, to Wes. And I think even again, with my limited knowledge of this franchise, I think it is something he would have appreciated. The irony is Paul in the stand age, if uh, the ghost fix killer was ringing me from inside the house, I probably wouldn't answer it. Cause I'll be like, who's ringing me. I'm definitely not answering yeah. that. If I don't know the number, I'm even definitely not answering. If I do know the number, am I answering? So he'd probably be stuck waiting in the closet for me. Never to. Yeah, never to it's like I'm answering that. It's just you can call as many times as you like. Um, but yeah, it's. Uh, I won't give away any spoilers, but just they really play into some of the tropes of the genre and point fun at it and, and bring it into the plot um, quite cleverly, I think. Um, and yeah, okay, so it's probably not my favorite ever franchise, but. I, so I may not be the best person to critique this genre, let alone this movie. But when I saw, as I said, that Scream 6 logo on the new poster was in the works, my immediate thought was, oh, yeah, I'm definitely watching that. So that's that's a good endorsement, I think, in terms of um, what I thought of this one. So, so yeah, so if this is your genre, horror, horror comedy, slasher type films, it's no doubt already on your radar. radar. So um, get in there and you can watch this one here in New Zealand on Neon awesome uh so that was scream but most of my watching time this week dan has been uh spent watching a hbo tv series and dan i have another contender for my very full already top 10 list for 2022 it's is it because <laughs> dan can we hit the can we hit the pause button because I need to talk to you off air. There's no pause. In There's no pause. pause. Okay. Um, yeah. So we've got, uh, as I said, it's an HBO show starring Colin Firth, Sophie Turner, Tony Collette, and my new favorite actor Michael Stuhlberg. It's the Staircase. This is the. I was going to say this. Is the it is. It is indeed the Staircase, and um, so this this tells the story 
um, over a period of eight and a half hours uh, of Michael Peterson, a crime novelist accused of killing his wife after she's found dead at the bottom of a staircase in the home and the 16-year uh, battle in the courts that, that follows. And, you know, sometimes I feel so uninformed and so uncultured and I don't know why I admit to this on air but you know I kind of knew the name Michael Peterson rang a bell but I couldn't remember why and so watching this series for me uh, this would actually be something of an education in terms of learning what happened because uh, I really didn't have too much memory but uh, is this on your radar Dan? I see it regularly on uh, Neon as I as I log in and sort of think about what to watch. And I have actually had a few people recommend it to me, but it hasn't made its way to the the front of my watch list yet. But fantastic cast, oh, like yeah. Tony Collette is always amazing. Colin Firth, amazing. I see it's also got Sophie Turner from Game of Thrones. So I'm I'm very intrigued. So um keen to hear more of your thoughts on it. Yeah, and another name to add into that um, is Patrick Schwarzenegger, uh, uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger's son, who has just and i don't know i shouldn't be but i can't help myself he has just things about him that just are reminiscent of his dad but in a very untypically arny way so he's not a huge big guy or whatever but he's just the way he uh, sort of moves his facial expressions and things occasionally just it's it's so funny seeing a younger uh, sort of mini arny in the works of this and he he plays the character of todd his son and he was really good um the the nature of what happens in this series, um, in this you know, it's true story, makes it one of the hardest things I've watched in a while. And so what I mean by that is I'm kind of I'm one of those weird people that I find it less squeamish or or sort of look away now when I'm watching The Conjuring or Scream or someone getting shot or or kicked by a a gang of drug cartel guys but show me a scene of someone slipping on a wooden staircase and then falling down hard and smashing into a solid wall at the bottom that somehow goes right through me and i just can't cope and of course throughout this series there's multiple references to that scene and, and the various um the various ways that that might have occurred of course because no one knows for sure exactly what happened so um it was very very interesting um colin firth has been nominated for the actor in a leading role Emmy. And to be honest, I I feel like he could very easily be be winning that that Emmy. He's once once we'd finished watching it, we sort of looked up Michael Peterson in real life and and just some of the mannerisms, the the body language, the facial expressions are just absolutely extraordinary. He's so good at portraying a person uh on trial. He, he has an unreadable face. He has he really delivers these moments of um, of arrogance to absolute fear. It's just absolutely an incredible performance, and and likewise also nominated for the lead leading role Emmy is Tony Collette, who again is is absolutely superb. And I, I would say I think she's up against Jodie Comer uh, from Killing Eve, and and a couple of other, I think she would be in the running as well. She's uh, one of the better roles I've seen her in in the last few years as well. So the two leads, fantastic. I also love that this is a, a limited series or mini series. Yes, yeah. I love a kind of a, a one and yeah, done. There's no, yeah, it, the story is what the story is, and um, it's uh, it yeah, it's eight hour, it's it's eight episodes, it's eight and a half hours, so it is a big time commitment. But um, it is one of those ones which 
you you want to keep going with it like at no point did i think i'm gonna look to see what actually happened um yeah I'm going to put you on the spot, Paul. If you had to make the decision right mm. now, would it be in the sort of 10 to 5 zone on your top 10 list or sort of the between the, I guess, the the 1 and 4? Like, is it what, what half of the sort of spectrum are we in? Don't try and make me play by any rules, Dan. I'm going to put it in my own little context, which is probably going to be in the – it's going to sit in the 4 to 7 range is where Ooh, i'm thinking okay. it's middle it's middle of the pack it's not it's probably not in the top three i think i i have some ideas about that but it's definitely i'd be surprised if it's in the bottom i'm intrigued yeah for me i'm intrigued because something's probably had to be bumped out yeah, of here I somewhere, but i, I won't probe I hate deep. the fact things have so. to be moved out of the list um the other guy that i mentioned is my new favorite actor michael Stuhlberg. i think that's how you pronounce his name he is absolutely Absolutely superb. So he's he's the guy who played the bad guy in Your Honor, opposite Brian Cranston. You know the, the gangster guy. He was also absolutely, absolutely superb as as Richard Sackler in the in the Dope Sick miniseries I watched. And he's so good as the lawyer in this. And again, when you look at the lawyer in real life, and you look at Stolberg, it's just an uncanny. Not just the looks, but just the, again the mannerisms. Um, he hits it right out of the pack. He's he's one of those guys now who's one hundred percent on my watch list if he does anything else. Well, he was also in Fag. Yeah, um, a, and the, and the last season he's in Boardwalk Empire, so he's got a bit of a, a yeah. Great he's career. just sort of he, I guess he's flown under my radar somehow, but he's he's come into it in the last the last the last three TV things he's done. I think are those that I've mentioned, and he's he's brilliant. I do have. A little bit of a criticism uh, of the show, and that is, that, as I said, it's, it's across 16 years, and the way in which they time jump, um, like I have no problem with any show that goes back into the past, but when it's jumping just between the past and the present, but when they're jumping to multiple times in the past, and you need to know how how far back they've gone, because it's so relative to the plot, I think you have to call it out more explicitly for for older viewers like me who can't keep up with the subtle changes in hair color and 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 fashion sense or, or whatever it might be. I need it. And the thing that always springs to mind for me is is Dope Sick, which had a really simple technique of showing a scrolling calendar that moved from year to year, left to right at the bottom of the screen. It wasn't distracting. It was it was just simple. It made it so easy, and I just feel like it was. It just it was particularly in the in the final episode or so it just got a little bit where are we right now because I need to know and you sort of are missing out on the dialogue but hey that is a minor thing it's it's yeah I it's I think it's gonna be in my top 10 then I um, we've got a lot of things to come this year still but yeah if you like true story adaptations courtroom dramas, um true story yeah i just think it's 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 for you then that is also available uh the staircase is all also available to watch on neon well this is a, a good effort paul i think you've made up from last week of football and the commonwealth games and, and everything you've got a whole tv series in a movie it's a, it's yeah. a good effort. Uh, as i say yeah you sort of you just want to keep going with it and so that sort of got got us through the final watch we finished the last episode literally last night but that is me, apart from our movie of the week, Dan. What about you? All right. So I'm coming in with a, a book and a TV series and then obviously our movie of the week. So the book that I'm bringing to the table this week, Paul, is Thrawn. So this is the uh, Timothy Zane book, which um, came out in 2017. And this 
I've had this book on my watch list for quite a while and everywhere you go, everywhere I go in the sort of what is my next Star Wars book, Thrawn is always mm-hmm. up there as number one. We've had a big conversation about it. Um, there's obviously Thrawn from the uh, the Legends books as yes. well, Heir to the Empire, but this is kind of a, in, in my mind, this kind of, it dovetails in beautifully to you know TV shows like Rebels and kind of like really gives you a, a fantastic origin origin story to uh, Thrawn, and so I had a I had a good time with this book. It's it's it took me a little bit longer to get through than than some of the others. I would say, and this is probably controversial, maybe a little bit overhyped. Like I I enjoy, like thoroughly enjoyed the the character i loved kind of getting this sort of further inside look at the empire particularly his kind of his very kind of like rapid rise to becoming a grand admiral um in the imperial army but a very when i say a little bit like there's so many other kind of little stories going on within this book that i i i just loved it when we're back on throne and i i and, and particularly his um his aide, um, Eli Vanto, like they were just such great characters, and the way that they were just sort of, I don't know, like Thrawn would demonstrate his um, military prowess or how he might strategically kind of um, address a battle or try to just sort of get the upper hand on everyone was so well done. And at every moment, like I fully kind of believed in the the intelligence of this character, and I, I like I can't wait to sort of go go deeper into this character with the. Um, there's about another five books to read, um, but it was like it was good. I think just the, but I think the overall story I don't think was as tight as some of the other Star Wars books that I've I've read of late. But I had a very good time with this one. Yeah, I I really like this one too. I feel the same about you in terms of just really believing the intelligence. I found this was a, it was very clever. All of the situations that Thrawn and Eli Vanto got themselves into and and how they would play out and the intelligence of how he would come out the victor and just go through the ranks. Um, I mean, imagine if you could do that in the workplace, just go from a junior to this, to a senior. to a, He's doing that. He's really motoring through the ranks and, those side stories that you mentioned, and I think um, Governor Price from Rebels is is one of those. Though, as someone who's read that this, because I know there's like six books, but this this specific trilogy of this one, Alliances and Treason, those side stories and the rest will come to the fore as, as you work through those books. So, um, I love this character. Yeah, I, I'm probably been a little bit hard in the sense that, like, like I enjoyed it, and I like. I, it all came together as a, as a great package. I guess it was a little bit more, and maybe just because it was so, constantly, everyone's like, got to read Thrawn, yeah. got to read Thrawn. Like maybe I just had my expectations set so highly. And I think by the end, I I, I definitely do rate it as one of my favorites. And there's a couple of moments that I really enjoyed in particular. And so spoilers, if you are wanting to read this book, so you might want to sort of jump forward a, a few few moments. Um, I loved his his brief interactions with Emperor Palpatine and Emperor Palpatine just kind of being like, uh, like I've already heard a lot about you from uh, Anakin Skywalker, um, and he's gonna I'm gonna keep an eye on you, and I, I kind of I've heard about the Chiss, and I hear that they're really strategic and smart. And at the end of the book, 
just when they have Darth Vader appear in the book, I was just like, oh my God, like, because I was just kind of thinking to myself the whole time reading this, like, we've got references to Moff Tarkin. I'm like, like, where is Vader in all of yeah. this? Not once do you hear Thrawn sort of reference Vader as, I guess, someone that he, you know, needs to get alongside or needs to understand or whatever it may be. And to see them kind of come together in the sort of the final moments of this book was was so wonderful. Yeah, no, they did. They brought that to those characters together really well and they really draw it out. Um, I think the hype um, may well have been a number of fans, and I count myself amongst them, who um, who had read and enjoyed the original Thrawn trilogy, so the, the the heir to the Empire, Dark Force Rising, and the Last Command. And I I remember actually when you and I first met, funny enough, uh, when we were we were working together, but we were in different regions, and I would travel between those regions when I was traveling in the car. You were my that's, age, right? I was the assistant to the regional manager. Okay. I um, yep. I used to hate. <laughs> I used to um, listen to the audio books of that original trilogy of Thrawn, and it was actually funnily enough. Just a little side note was read um, by the actor Dennis Lawson, who plays. Um, oh my goodness, I can't think of his name now. He was in all three. Uh, he was in the X Wing with Luke in the. He was in all three battles. He survives. Wedge Antilles, my goodness. Um, and I really loved the character of Thrawn. And so th- there was a lot of excitement about this book because it was bringing this character into canon. And, and um, it's, uh, yeah, it's, it, I think it's the strength of the intelligence. And I would also say that, you know, when you're on the back of, off the back of some Jedi novels, sometimes moving away from that can be quite a, very different change and it's a change of pace as well because this is very methodical and drawn out and um i'll be interested to see what you think about the the next two because they all tie together in, the, in a trilogy so I'm, I'm curious to see how you go well even seeing the the cover of the next book uh thrown alliances has yeah. darth vader and um thrown on the front and i think what i really appreciate about it is thrown feels to me like a like he doesn't feel like a true sort of villain to me at the moment yeah. in the book like i like he he everything he does he he does for a reason and it's well thought through and he's not just out there kind of mindlessly kind of destroying planets and people he's trying to do the right thing but he's also trying to protect his own people and i think it's it just sort of i think it reveals like these types of books and it was a little bit like that with lost stars i think it kind of just reveals this other side to the empire and some of the things that they were trying to do and yes there's a bunch of kind of jerks in that universe but there's also some people who genuinely believe in the intent of what they're what they're trying to do and it just kind of it paints some of these things in a new situation and i think you know just to your point there around um god you just said her name and it's governor governor price Governor Price, I have very vague memories of her in Rebels. I feel like I need yeah. to go back and I imagine sort of a, a bit of a rewatch on those would probably be be quite good as well. And I'm also in, intrigued, like where Eli Vanto yeah. like ends up in this yeah. kind of universe because he's a really awesome character. Right? I love how loyal he yeah. is to to Thrawn and kind of how he didn't want to be his aide and he was kind of on a different path and he's kind of been stuck with him and he gets missed over promotion after promotion. Then, you know, he finally kind of gets his due in, in, in the book, but it's he's a great oh, character. Oh, he really is. And um, oh, I'm just hearing you talk about it now. I feel like I, I, I want to revisit this whole trilogy. If you've watched the animated show Rebels, 
I think this book is definitely for you if you, if you enjoy the character of Thrawn. And, you know, the, the, the fact now that we've heard, I presume, confirmed, you know, that he's, he's going to be in the live-action TV series, which, of course, there's always something special, I find, about a character coming into a, a live-action TV show that we have met and learnt through books, through comics, through games, through animated shows. To see them then come to life is, is great. Well, you could imagine this book in particular being easily oh, pinned into a, a Disney Plus TV amazing. show, particularly because it, it is so sort of set in its not its own universe, but its its own kind of storyline where you could have some of those core references to Moff Tarkin and Palpatine purely just through hollows and, and things yeah. like that. I, I don't remember the specifics of each of those scenarios that they got themselves into and how he would figure out who had done what or come out the victor, but I just remember at the time um, – being just blown away at how how awesomely uh, the author had done that. Oh, and it does. There's some fantastic writing in there as well. So, um, throughout this book, Thrawn is very much kind of collecting artifacts from the Clone Wars, mm. and in That's in right. that kind of process, he's kind of uncovering how some of the the special metals used on some of like the Buzz Droids um, are actually you know highly kind of efficient for deflecting you know. Um, lasers and ultimately leads him to the discovery of the the creation of the the Death Star, which again is just such a, another sort of fantastic connection. Because a, another character really got me thinking about through this whole. Uh, oh no, no, I, I'm going to stop there because I'm going to make an idiot of myself. But it really got it. It got me thinking about just sort of like the relationship between like someone like. Um, Thrawn and Count Dooku but I guess Count Dooku would have already met his demise um, at the point where he's really kind of rising yeah. up here yeah but, uh, so much is coming back to me now just hearing you talk about just the, the discovery of the medals and the uh, I'm not sure if it's this book or the next one the Thai Defenders maybe that's a step ahead okay I'll, I'll, sh- I'll shut up there's much much to learn you still have you're gonna have a great journey on this yeah look these, these Star Wars books are great like I'm just I'm really just it's almost like it's become a real core part of my commute to and from work. And it's like, I just get to kind of like melt back into the star Wars universe and just knowing that there's so many of these books out there. And I already feel like there's ones that I would easily read again. And I think this could easily be, be one of those series that I no doubt turn into a, a raving fan about as I get sort of through the next couple of books. Can I ask, because I read the books and you, I, I can tell if you're in your commute to work, it's a, an audio the voice, um, because of course we had the voice of of, of Laz, uh, what's his name, Mickelson. That's um, what's his name's brother in the in the TV series, and I loved that voice in the TV series, and I already know that it won't be him doing the voice in the live action series, and now we've got, you'll have a third voice. Is it is it in any way distracting, or does it not? So this is the voice, uh, Mark Thompson. Oh, he's the good. Voice, he is really um, good. And this one. And he is fantastic. Like, he has got so many different voices on lock. And he's he's actually he's done, done a lot of another book that I've re- Yeah, like, he's he's done a lot of Star Wars books. But there was one I've read recently where he was just amazing. And, um, and he, it does look like he's done... Oh, he's on some of the, I'm just looking on the list now, some of the High Republic ones, which I'm really looking for. Oh, he did Dark Disciple, which I think. Oh, yeah. Christy Golden, that's, and that's one of my favourite Star Wars books. 
um, of all time, I think. And just, it's so good to have Mark Thompson because he's got a lot of these voices on lock and he does a great kind of uh, southern accent as well. And it kind of brings these different characters to life. So I felt no, no sort of qualm or discomfort about any of his narration. Awesome. Oh, that's great. Oh, this is good. And for anyone who's wondering who Thrawn is, think of the Empire Imperial officers all in grey. Well, this guy wears white um, and he has blue skin and blood red eyes and he's uh, he's an amazing character. Think of uh, Tobias from Arrested Development, but like a cooler version of Tobias when he's in the Blue Man group. Okay, I'll take your word for it on that. So, yeah, you should you should Google it. Okay, so that is yeah, that's Thrawn, um, a Star Wars book by Timothy Zane. Um, I listened to that by uh, Audible, so uh, you can find that also in all good bookstores. Did you just Google <laughs> it? That's so good. Good, good. Okay, so the TV show I've watched, uh, we actually watched the latest Netflix TV show, The Sandman. So this TV show. Uh, We've sort of been talking about it over the last year or so. It's come up on the on the news desk a few times. Mm. And it's been a, a TV show. I guess I, I wouldn't have said I was looking forward to it or kind of waiting for it. Um, but kind of when it came out, watched a bit of a trailer. Uh, which, you, you know me, Paul, I'm not mm. about trailers. But if I'm unsure, I'll watch a trailer. And I thought, you know what, let's give it a go. I was a little bit nervous going into it because – I kind of just got the sense, and you can even tell by some of the the images and the artwork, and I, I know that this is a, a DC graphic novel. Like, am I going to be smart enough to watch this, Paul? Like, am I going to be able to, like, pull all the pieces together? Because I'm still a little bit scared from when we watched um, Dark, the Netflix TV series, where <laughs> so you know, I had to kind of just, like, muddle my way through and watch some YouTube videos. But anyway, let me just say, if you have not watched The Sandman, get on it. Absolutely incredible. Fantastic cast, fantastic story. It is quite a deep story, and it's a little bit of a um, unique story. But I like give me more of this universe. I, I'm very interested in going out and picking up the graphic novels now. Like I, I want to know more about this. So I'm probably going to butcher this um, for anyone who's a true fan of this genre. Like these these graphic novels have been around for I think about just over thirty years. So and they've been long, you know, long winded attempts to try to turn this into um, a TV show or movie and I think for various reasons like that hasn't gone ahead and I think it's almost the perfect storm right now because great Netflix content um, great time like great technology um, like it's just all the pieces have come together to be able to sort of tell the story I think they need to tell so I'll try to explain this story to mm-hmm. you Paul and I'm going to do it poorly so just go with that so we've got within our sort of stellar cast our main character is called Dream or, or Morpheus and he's one of a sort of a, a series of gods and his um he kind of he rules the the dreamland so he kind of like can can live between the the waking and, and the dream state there's these other gods um Lucifer and um Desire and and Death who, who have various other roles and this guy Dream he's we kind of jump around a, t- a timeline a little bit, but he basically gets um, captured by this this guy who's kind of a oh, how would I describe him? He's 
He's kind of he calls himself a sorcerer, and he he's trying to basically summon and capture death because he's so upset about his his son dying in Gallipoli in the First World War, and instead of catching death, he basically catches Dream, and he imprisons Dream for a hundred years in his house, and in that process, because Dream isn't out there kind of you know helping people dream and you know have nightmares and all of those types of things a whole about a million people around the world basically go into this kind of like sleep paralysis where they can't function because they you know they either can't go to sleep or they can't dream or, or whatever it is and it's kind of the story of the people and the other gods who are trying to bring bring down dream and it's just such a a different and unique story that on paper I didn't know if I was going to be all about but absolutely wonderful and it's just honestly for the cast absolutely incredible there's so many fantastic and big name actors and actresses in this and it's so well done the the set is beautiful the digital effects are beautiful and just the i just i can't get over how much of a a great watch this is i love it i um i see it's trending real high it's having great ratings um and the biggest draw card for me when I just sort of look at it and sort of quickly scan it, one of the creators, one of the writers on this, David S. Goya, who name instantly is associated with Batman Begins, with The Dark Knight. And I mean, you know, as the writer of those movies, straight away, I'm like, okay, that's 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 top tier. That is absolutely top tier for him to be writing on a TV show like this. Um, there's a lot of things here that appeal. And as, as you said, the cast, just looking through some of the names that appear in there, um, always in de- enjoyed David Thewlis as well, uh, Jenna Coleman. Um, yeah. Where am I watching this? Netflix, okay. So you can watch this on, yeah, so you can watch it on Netflix. Um, it's it's 10 episodes each, each episode. Like it's roughly uh, an hour just under some sort of slightly higher per episode so it's kind of it is one of those shows you do have to really pay attention to because it does kind of jump around a timeline it does kind of flick between the uh the dream state i guess and in real life but it very much kind of just like the the, the different realities and the different characters they kind of bring to life and you know dreams kind of hunting the serial killer through it and there's some real kind of great like human moments in it and there's like one episode in particular there's and that they can they do such a good job of stitching this all together but um dream and um death basically make a deal with this person that if they grant they grant him immortality within a hundred years he's going to be he's going to be praying that you know in my life and every 100 years they meet this guy in the same pub and he's like he's in a different state every time they meet him sometimes he's on top of the world sometimes he's like he's killing it with all these businesses sometimes he's homeless but at the end of each 100 years he's kind of like like he loves life and he's just living and it's kind of just like it's just so fun sort of watching them kind of interact with this person through this kind of the ages and how things change and and it's it's kind of a hard TV show to to talk about without kind of going really deep yeah. into kind of spoilers or sort of revealing too much about it. But I think if you like a good sort of um, very sort of graphic novel, fantasy, drama, I wouldn't use the word ho- like small horror, like small age, like a little bit of yeah. that sort of um, magical stuff. This is definitely for you and I think – Number two on IMDb yeah. right now, like you, you can't go past a show like that. 
I definitely think we're going to get a, a second season. It's it's a very good. And watch. it's had a lot of ratings. But and the reason I make that comment is because this has only just come out. You know, like I'm just looking. Yeah, yeah and so it's been out at the time of recording five days, and there's already been thirty two thousand people gone in there and and rate it, and it's sitting at an eight out of ten. That tells me it is high quality. The, the images just sort of clicking, press play on the trailer as you were talking, just looks slick, and it for me just on the wider subject, it feels like the sort of show that Netflix needs right now because their numbers are plummeting, right, in terms of subscribers and everyone's sort of saying if it, was, if it wasn't for Stranger Things, they'd be in a lot of trouble. And this is the tough thing, eh, for Netflix. Like, thoroughly enjoyed um, the, the binge of this TV show. And you can see why you know, kind of networks shift away from kind of the, just the complete drop because, you know, I've binged this, you know, basically over like two or three days and now it's all over and it's where whereas you know they could have actually probably got like 10 weeks worth yeah. of um hype and excitement from me if they sort of dropped it the other way but at the same time like would i have stuck out all, all 10 if i had to wait that long not sure but i think what i know now know about it 100 percent, and I'm, I'm definitely gonna be here for season two definitely here for the graphic novels give me more sand i think we're hitting a sweet spot now of the the model that is drop three drop three right off the truck, give people a real chance to get into it. Because if you're not hooked after three, then you, you were never going to be hooked whether the all 10 were there or not. But if you're hooked after three, I think that's you'll true. come in for the next one, two, three, and then maybe finish on a two or something. I think that's the that's the perfect model for me. Yeah, that's pretty good, eh? Like, I think. Yeah, I, I, I like that. And I think you really do have to think about it because there is pros and cons and some some shows do make sense as a yeah. complete drop. Walking Dead, um, <laughs> you know, but others, you know, Obi Wan, and or like you can actually have a bit more of a of a spread out. Speaking of which, Dan, do we have new Walking Dead to watch yet? Says excitedly. Don't know. Don't care. Right. <laughs> there's there's so much Walking Dead news coming out, Paul, and I can't even bring myself to report <laughs> on it because I. Just, it's your job. <laughs> I will not do it. Um, Check, check out The Sandman on Netflix. Uh, I can't speak more highly of it. And I came in as someone who was very unsure if it was going to work for me. Very good. Shall we uh, jump on over to our movie of the week? Yeah, so each week Dan and I uh, take it in turns, choose a movie to watch and review. We announce what that movie will be a week in advance over in our Discord community, which you can join if you'd like by clicking the link in the show notes. And this week... We have gone with the 2022 sequel to the 1987 movie Predator, and that movie is Prey. So this is the origin story of the Predator and the world of the Comanche Nation 300 years ago. Naru, a skilled female warrior, fights to protect her tribe against one of the first highly evolved Predators to land on Earth. So... Interestingly, Paul, I put this on Friday night for myself and Samara to watch. I just told her it was movie of the week, told her nothing about the Predator component. And it was kind of just interesting to kind of, you know, it was a little bit of a fun experiment. Like, at what point was she going to be like, ah, oh, is this is an alien movie? And like, like, the first thing, the spaceship. No comment. No comment about the spaceship coming through. But it wasn't until kind of the, the invisible Predator really right. kind of came out that it was, ah, oh, is this a an aliens movie or something so just interesting because i feel like i was i was not really paying attention at all to um this movie and kind of loosely kind of 
I'm in the lead up to a couple <laughs> of total Sorry. half marathon. Yeah, yeah. I wasn't paying any attention. Yeah. No, so I wasn't. I wasn't kind of. I kind of thought it was something to do with Predator, but I wasn't a hundred percent sure. I hadn't watched any trailers, and it wasn't until sort of a, I guess a, a week before they kind of launched it that kind of all the hype sort of started building up, and and I became very interested in uh, what they were doing here. Yeah, I, I love the idea of the experiment. I think. Um... I think just thinking back, I think it would have been when the title card of Prey comes up with the the lines on the bottom of the letters, just the same as the the, the Predator. That would have been my oh my goodness, this is a and of course you know Predator Prey. I um yeah, this is going to be tough to talk without talking some spoilers. Hopefully not too much, but hey, we did this on the fly, so don't sue me. I overall, Dan, I actually really enjoyed this uh and i i had to get myself in the right sort of frame of mind and the right sort of mindset because i think what i've learned from the last couple of predator movies is i i need to come into it and do a quick reality check by reminding myself this is not the terminator franchise so unlike those sequels arnold schwarzenegger is not going to be turning up in predator and there will be none of the great you know one-liners stick around get to the chapter I ain't got time to bleed and all those sort of things. And once I've done that, I start to focus more in on this universe and where this species, this 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 predator actually exists and getting myself honed into that side of things. Because for me, the the predator universe is is what I'm always interested in, but it's never held my attention any movie since the original as much as the original. The closest was the Robert Rodriguez movie Predators. But that being said, this movie for me, I think is the best. Obviously it was a prequel to Predator, but this is the best subsequent movie to Predator since the original for me. That's how, that's how much I rated this one. It's interesting there because I, I also, I wouldn't consider myself a, a Predator fan really at all, apart from the first movie. Um, and, We've obviously talked about them a bit, particularly in the alien context uh, mm. on the pod. And I, and when I think about the first Predator movie, I kind of love the the army bro nature of the movie more than the actual Predator com- component. And it kind of felt like a, a much kind of the fairer fight, even though the, the Predator always has the stronger advantage. In this movie, I, I was almost the same thing. I kind of found myself more interested in the Comanche and kind of just, you know, their way of living and their kind of journey more so than the Predator. And I almost kind of found myself a little bit kind of, I don't know if annoyed is the right word, but like the Predator was just so strong. Like he, it was a little bit of a Superman complex where, you know, like he's – pretty unstoppable and if it wasn't for a sort of a you know obviously the the flowers that kind of like cool your blood temperature and some sort of like some sort of clutch moments like that that kind of gave them the upper hand i i hated how overpowered the predator was um and i wonder whether there's some kind of like deep kind of symbolism in that then you know when when humans hunt animals and you know they've they've kind of got no no chance at times but in saying that, I did have a, a good time with this movie and I I really like that it's something different. I love that they were able to use a, a basically a, a largely 
full sort of Native American cast. I thought that was yep. awesome. I see that on Disney Plus you can actually watch it with a Comanche um, dub over the top so that you don't have any English. I thought that Amazing. that was awesome. Um, I enjoyed the the action sequences. That like the story was like mostly pretty good for me. Like as a as a non big Predator fan, I had a good time. Yeah. And I think, you know, in the context of for, for a Predator movie, for a Predator Predator sequel, I thought this was a really good, um, as you say, good story, good idea to go back before, you know, before we meet the Predator back in the 80s. Um, I thought in particular the lead actress, uh, Abba, Amber Myth Thunder, I thought she was very, very good. I thought she was really, really convincing. And at no stage did I not believe anything she was she was she was going through in fact um with the exception of the 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 final sort of fatal shot uh which for me seemed a little bit unbelievable everything else actually felt really almost plausible almost realistic for me and like if these things were real and one of these things came to earth i think it might pan out like this so it didn't feel like it was over the top to me the one gripe i had was was kind of was a couple actually but the one that was similar to to what you talked about uh was the the strength thing was i think it was with the scene with the bear i think that that was when it became super superman superhuman like okay so i get it this 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 thing is an alien and i shouldn't be judging it in in the same terms but that was that was when it seemed like okay this is what it can do to a bear then no one should be standing any chance at any point no matter what happens so that was one of my gripes but hey i think too it's almost and again i imagine people who are big predator fans and kind of like really deep in the lore of predators i almost kind of feel like i wish the predators were kind of downgraded a little bit like maybe you don't have invisibility yet like maybe you don't have all of your weapons yet like maybe you know like almost to sort of give them a bit more of a a chance like maybe you're you know truly truly trying to sort of stealth into the jungle my biggest fear in any movie paul is don't introduce a dog to me and then let me sit on tender hooks for an hour and a half what i have to think about is that dog gonna make it especially in a movie like this i i don't like it yeah they um it's dangerous territory right bringing bringing it you know we all remember mali and me it's a it's a dangerous it's dangerous territory i am um, what was I going to say? The, the oh, thinking about the bear again. I thought the special effects in this movie were really good, although there was a couple of scenes with the bear where I was like, "That's that's not a bear. That's that's CGI." But you know, it wasn't wasn't too bad. My main criticism, thinking back to it now, I just had a clue looking at the runtime. It took a while to get going. I thought I thought it really was quite a slow build up, which I don't mind. But with a runtime of just over an hour and a half, I felt like. I really wanted to get into it because my mind is already thinking I do not want to have one of these, which happens all the time, slow build up, low runtime, and then it rushed ending. But to be fair, I don't think they did rush the ending too much, but I think they took a while to get going, get moving perhaps. Mm-hmm. I think this is, I, I applaud them for doing something yes. different with this genre. And I applaud them for sort of like, they're probably going to introduce a whole new sort of level of, fans into the predator universe um it's i think it was for me though it was just kind of it was a it was a good movie 
it wasn't a great movie. Yeah, I, I think that's fair. And I think it was a good movie within the, the context of a Predator movie. It was a great movie next to some of the others that have been delivered in this. Yeah. Because really, other than the first and, and Predators, the others have not been quite there. And also shout out for so Dan Trackenberg, who directed this. He's directed some, you know, he he's done the... Um, the, some of the boys, Black Mirror, Cloverfield, 10 Cloverfield Lane, some great things directing. But from a writing perspective, this is his first time writing. And I thought, you know, you and I have sat here and we've actually been more focusing on the, the writing and, and, the, and the story and the, the sort of applauding the bravery for them to go in this direction. So shout out to him. I thought that was, as a writer-director, I thought he did a great job with this one. I think too, like I'm just, and maybe this is the Yellowstone coming out of me, Paul, but I just give me more native american stuff like i'm just so fascinated by it and i i i want more i want more of that sort of like historical um hollywood movie and i i kind of actually loved that for the large part of this movie i like i didn't think we were going to see any white people mm. and then you know like obviously we did it at some point and they turned out to be the a-holes that they normally are and uh, uh, it was kind of interesting because I, I just kind of loved just the idea of just kind of these these people living on the earth and kind of like untouched by by the rest of sort of civilization, and I, I wanted more of it. I wanted to see more. I wanted more stories. Take me back to that universe without the predator. Correct. Yeah, a really good observation and really good that the when the white man turns up, he's yeah really the bad guy. Um, one last quick mention. Um, because I, I sort of said you know, it's never going to have the, the the lines like stick around and get to the chopper. But did you spot the the line they stole and they reused? If it bleeds, we can kill it. Uh, the, the great Schwarzenegger line and the way that they just played it so casually and subtly, you almost wouldn't pick up on it. I thought that was was really good. Then we've obviously had a number of subsequent movies in this franchise, all of them sequels, uh, other than this one as a prequel. If they're going to go again. Where would you like to see them go? Um, oh, I guess what we're three hundred years. I would almost be intrigued to kind of maybe do we jump forward again another hundred, two hundred years? Yep. Like what? What does what does that look like? Um, I think. Well, it's tough though. Like, is is there another story to be told? I don't like there probably is knowing I, I think a Hollywood and and B these sorts of franchises love to go on for for way too long but I guess we, we've had so many um, I guess future focus movies the other option would be is do you kind of go back to where the original movie kind of started or you know maybe it's not kind of for some reason I think of that maybe just because it's the timing of the movies almost kind of like Vietnam um war type era like do you actually jump forward into like a a world war one world war two um kind of component nice i like the sound of that well trackenberg himself has said that there are discussions for additional installments um and their intent is to do things that have not been done before with the franchise so if it's going to be along the lines of what we've seen here sign me up have we had a and like I presume we've had like a predator versus predator type movie like um yeah so there's the there was predator there was predator two which was the Danny uh no it was yeah Danny Glover yeah movie Glover. and 
in Predators. Was it the latest and one? Alien. Oh, no, I'm not thinking about the Alien versus Predator, but the other one, the, the, oh, okay. the Predator. That was, right. Uh, arguably the worst of the lot, but I don't I don't know that we've specifically had that. I think the closest would be, as you say, the Alien versus Predator. Maybe it needs to be like a Hunger Games but for like Predators and they're kind of, they're all trying to survive, but we somehow need to almost kind of build some uh, some empathy or something for each one of the different Predators and why would be, why would we rooting for that one to particularly win? <laughs> Welcome to the 76th Predator Games. <laughs> it's, good. it's good. They're all invisible. There's, there's red laser dots everywhere. Great. What a great franchise. That's a brilliant idea. <laughs> What do you give this on the uh, Guns Akimbo scale? Oh, look, within the scale of well, the whole universe of movies, I'm, I'm getting two guns on this, but I still had a good time. Yeah, I, I could almost go two and a half. Like it was, I think, two and a half for doing just something so yeah. different um, to what they could have done and for genuinely giving it, uh, in my eyes, a, a bit of a nice. reboot. I think, that's, I think that's fair as well. All right, then. Shall we uh, move along? To your pick of the week. Yeah, so for me, everything that I've talked about this week for me, it's 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 a thousand percent the staircase. Yeah. I mean if I'm talking top ten, it has to be my choice. Um but I really enjoyed just talking to you about Thrawn. That's that was really uh quite exciting for me. I really enjoyed that. But yeah, from what I've seen, definitely the staircase. I think for me it's gonna it probably would have been thrown, but I think the Sandman just caught me by such mm. surprise, and it's just really sat with me. When we only just finished it a, a day or so ago, and I almost could watch it over again. That's how much of a good time I had, and I think there's so much more to be kind of taken out of that universe, and I love it when a, a genre like that really encapsulates me, and it, and it makes me want to go away and, and like read more books or get get my hands on more yeah. source material i think that's always a, the sign of a a good universe to get involved yeah. in i've added that to my watch list then so what are the news headlines for us all right so this week on the news desk it's always sad Paul, when we have to start with the the passing of an actor and actress but uh um, Olivia Newton-John, who I guess most people would probably know from Greece, has unfortunately passed away at the age of 73. Yeah, such a young age as well. We were at work, uh, we've had the, the music playing quietly in the background of some of the some of the songs. It's been, been quite nice. But uh, yes, just a young age, really, 73. It does age. 73 feels mm, way too young mm. these days. Um, in fact, I, I was scrolling through Prime Video a little bit earlier, and I see that Greece is number two yeah. on their their movies yeah, no right doubt. now. So obviously, getting a a lot of rewatches. Um, but on to other news desk topics. So Cobra Kai, Paul, it is just around the corner. 9th of September, season five will debut. So remember, we normally get it first yes. of January or thirty first of the year. We're coming in early. It's it's going to be good. So you'll start to see her through a few trailers. Uh, they're already talking about who the new villains are going to be. Um, so watch this space. There will be much Cobra Kai discussion in the coming months. Brilliant. Again, no room in the top 10. So going to be interesting to see how it fares because this is a top show. Cobra Kai makes its own room, Paul. <laughs> it, does, it really does. 
Now, um, you may recall, Paul, actually, I, I was talking to you uh, several episodes ago how I started sort of rewatching The Office, and we've been continually kind of watching this. I haven't been bringing it up in my what we've been watching, but we're currently, we're just about finished season six, I think, so we're really kind of um, still charging on through. But in Office news, Kevin from The Office is finally getting his own chili cookbook. Okay. So you may recall, Kevin spills the, the yeah. pot of chili in The Office. <laughs> And the way that only Kevin could. And so this cookbook is going to have 150 chili recipes. And I feel, I feel, I mean, that's exciting, but I feel a little let down because I thought you were going to finish that sentence with Kevin is finally getting his own spin off show. And I was like, oh, this is going to be the greatest TV show of all time. That would be great. That would be great. Um, Formula One's Lewis Hamilton had to turn down a role in Top Gun Maverick. So apparently he was offered a, a role as one of the. Uh, the fighter pilots, but couldn't couldn't do it due to his uh, Formula One schedule, which would be a how devastating. You know, you're at the top of your career, you're a peak athlete, you get a chance to be in a Top Gun sequel, and you can't do it. <laughs> so sad. I, I would be like, look, surely we can make this work. We can move some things around. Yeah. Like I can come in and film for a couple of Perhaps. days. How I do we feel do like it? there's. We'll come to you. We'll make it work. I. Uh, it's a missed opportunity because yeah. Um, I wonder if it might have distracted, but hey. Mm. Uh, Sonic the Hedgehog th- is getting the third movie, and it's coming out in December 2024. I, for one, Paul, really big fan of the first Sonic movie. Haven't seen the second yet, as it, it is on my watch list, but um, great to see that a, a third movie is now on the horizon. Very good. Uh now, this is a, I'm just going to go on a little bit of a, a wandering kind of journey here. So last week we talked about uh, uh, Batgirl being mm. cancelled, um, you know, which has has been an interesting week of information around this because, you know, it comes up that movie was largely finished. They'd already spent about $90 million on it. Warner Brothers kind of said the movie was not very good quality. A bunch of directors have come out and said it's a real shame that, you know, some of the, the writers behind that have been behind some of the episodes of Miss Marvel. Um, so, and that, you know, that's doing really well. And just kind of lamenting about how, how sad it is to get a project that far ahead and not to sort of let it see the light of day. And connected to that, and I know that this was a, a big concern for you, is there was a, a Michael Keaton um, connection mm. to that movie. And just sort of piecing different articles together, my understanding is we know the Flash movie is kind of in a little bit of dire straits, particularly because of the the things Ezra Miller has mm-hmm. been up to. And one of the, the things that I've kind of uncovered with my very thorough sort of sleuthing and being a professional news anchor is one of the reasons that that movie apparently might, the, the Batgirl movie might not work is because the Michael Keaton bit that was going to help it all make sense was going to take place in the Flash movie. And with the Flash movie being in jeopardy and potentially, you know, maybe or maybe not going ahead, unconfirmed, that wasn't going to work for the Batgirl movie. So it's all kind of interconnected, all based on potentially this one sort of star's demise. Hashtag release the Flash. I'm sick of it. Honestly, I just, I just, I can't. <laughs> I literally my George Costanza mode is kicking in it's like we're going to get the flash eventually there's no way that's going down the drain because way too much of a been spent on that if we don't get that 
if because if we if we miss out on two opportunities to see Sir Michael Keaton return as Batman, I'm booking us flights to Hollywood, Dan. We're going in there ourselves. I don't know. I don't know what to tell you, Paul, but it's not looking good. Mm. But um, DC is doing a little bit of work. They're looking at a a sort of a, a 10-year horizon of films. Some would say taking a bit of a, a Marvel approach to their movies. I do have to ask the question, though, is it kind of too late? You know, like, I feel like, and I know that we're getting a lot of superhero movies, like Marvel's got a huge timeline, like DC's already done a bunch of work, some good, some okay. Like, it just kind of feels like they should have done this a little while ago. I feel like somebody somebody dropped the ball oh, over there. It's unexcusable inexcusable sorry uh, that this this ball's been dropped so so outrageously badly um is it too late um i feel like it may be too late because there's a lot of bat fleck um fans out there i feel like um you know it may be too late to resurrect that um but clean slate as far as i'm concerned and i've said it before i'll say it again you've got the two greatest superheroes of all time across all um you know <laughs> that's the last warning you've got superman and batman and i i make no secret of you know i, I know there's some great marvel characters but for me those two are the top two one and two put them in whatever order you like and there should be a way in which they can make this franchise work we've seen so much success with with a uh, wonder woman i thought that was really at the gate success for for that character and the rest of them uh ahead of miss you know the aquaman the cyborg and, or whatever but the two big ones it should be easy we, we could do it yeah it's it's complicated isn't it Anyway, I'll move us on because that probably feels like almost a whole other podcast in itself. One final bit of news for me. So Netflix, we've talked a while ago about how Netflix sort of trying to move into the gaming space. And so apparently out of the 221 million people that subscribe to Netflix, less than 1% of its subscribers are actually playing Netflix games. I, I Right from the start, I was like, I, I, I haven't got time for this. I don't know who has, but... um. It's 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 not stick to stick to your lane, stick to what you're good at, right? Stick it's like listening Panasonic making microwaves. It's like, what are you doing? Like, don't make make the things you're good at. Wait, what are they good know, at? Something. <laughs> what are they good at? Like t- TVs and Blu-ray players and maybe I don't know. The Fast and Furious were being stolen DVD players. They're all Panasonic. That's the best movie ever made. All right, so that is me, Paul. Anything on the news desk? Uh, no, you sort of covered off all of the the big ticket items. I think um, kind of a an awesome little week for us in the mailbag this week, though, Dan, um, and primarily focused around um, our movie of the week. So last week we reviewed the War Below movie. Um, which was, you know, if anyone didn't listen to that podcast, it was a movie about five miners who were called up to the army to tunnel under under no man's land in the First World War. And, I mean, somehow we managed to get four out of the five actors who played those five, minor, five miners, um, Elliot James Langridge, Chris Hitchin, Joseph Stain, um, and where's the fourth one? It's escaping me now. I'll, it's not on my screen. Terrible. 
all um we've had we've had uh, likes we've had they've been sharing our review they've retweeted it um it's been commented on uh and we've also and two people from that movie have listened to that podcast review which always astounds me always excites me um it's always interesting as well for me it always seems to happen to us i don't know if you sort of notice whenever we, we we review a movie and someone from the movie or tv show listens there's always it always seems to be one of those ones where we've managed to find something that we're not quite happy with or we've got a constructive criticism with and it's always it's always quite fascinating as to what they they might sort of say to that so um elliot james language uh the lead actor in it he he said thank you i'm very proud to be a part of this movie really enjoyed the episode keep up the good work and then we had the writer director jp watts himself also listened and got in touch um and he actually directly addressed the the constructive criticism we sort of talked about last week which was you know we sort of said about we didn't get enough connection to the characters before they went to war to really get that emotional connection and he said he wrote just thanks for the review i did agree with what you said if we'd had more time and budget there was much more we wanted to do next time maybe fingers crossed cheers john and i just i love it when when we get that sort of a response and not even just having people listening but having them write in i love it this is why we need to be in the walking dead right as right. you know We've got we've got some good views here on the half. We know podcast. what we're talking about, right? Um, I look I look forward to the uh, creative team behind Prey um, writing in next week, so they can we can kind of you know flesh out these thoughts around where the next movie yeah. should go. Three of them started following us as well, which is also awesome. And Elliot James Language um, not only followed us, he also followed us from his own podcast account as well. So um, um, awesome. that was that was pretty cool. Um, and then. Uh, the only other thing to report on then is our peak performance, which last week was Angelina Jolie. And we had a couple of suggestions come in. We had Ryan Davies Payne from Oakland. Those who wish me dead uh, was his choice. Uh, he says one of her better recent movies. And then uh, Jason from Porirua here in Wellington uh, went with the the first uh, Maleficent. Is that how you pronounce it? Malef- Maleficent film. I'm. I I know the name. I can't think what that movie was. I haven't seen it. Um, that was history. Isn't that that's the um, like from Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs? Like the oh, evil. Oh yes, it's the one where she's got like queen. a tree yes. sort of growing out of her hair. Sort of looks like a tree. I think the horns. But yeah, yeah, something <laughs> like that. The horns. It looks like a tree branch or something. Oh dear, talking about measures. <laughs> my goodness. And then finally. Uh, Paddy from the Republic of Ireland and Time Traveling Team podcast. He went uh, with a 3-2-1 of Bone Collector, Beowulf, and number one peak performance for him was Eternals. That's the mailbag this week. Eternals, I still haven't watched that movie. I need to mm, uh, get it on the list. Yeah, look, it's, it's a number one, so it's that's that's pretty good rating for... That's a big well, call, he's, Paddy. he's the man with big the big calls. Call. He does. He, well, he still keeps to the, the three, two, one. You know, we can't it's, change him. He's beyond help. Stuck right. in his ways. So he is. Um, <laughs> shall we move on? Yeah, let's uh, let's jump on over to the peak performance for this. Yeah. Week. So much like the uh, movie of the week, we take in turns each week choose someone from the TV and movie world and look back at their work and say what was their best thing. Then this week, uh, I love the way you sort of 
you know, how they sort of follow on sometimes piecing things together. You, we had Angelina Jolie uh, after Billy Bob Thornton, and then Angelina Jolie, of course, was in Gone in sixty seconds with Nick Cage. And this week, uh, you've put Nick Cage on the on the on the pedestal there for us to look at. What's your what's your choices here? Uh, do you know I I real I did check before I said Nicolas Cage because I couldn't believe we actually haven't yeah. done him, but I I think it's because we've done so many other movies with him connected to them and he often comes up as a as a great character in some yeah. of those movies, and this week so it's kind of interesting because I know that you know Nicolas Cage has had a you know an interesting career where he was like you know in the late 90s or throughout the 90s into the sort of early 2000s, top of his game. Like, you know, he was considered, they were going to do a Superman right. movie. There's with pictures of it, right? And then there is, they're, they're disturbing. <laughs> um, and then he kind of like fell out of favour, I feel like, for whatever reason. And and over the recent years, there's been some movies which have, you know, they've, they've rated pretty well and I just haven't seen them. Um, not through sort of lack of trying, they just haven't appeared on any of our, our streaming services. So one of them being Massive Talent, oh, sorry, The Unbearable Weight of Massive Talent, um, one of them being Pig. Like, they're meant to be really sort of great movies, but I unfortunately can't consider them because I haven't seen them. So I'm going to go with some classics that both came out in 1997. So number one, Paul, put the bunny back in the box. Connie, fantastic <laughs> Nicolas Cage movie. Army Ranger, on a plane, bunch of prisoners, up against, you know, great supervillains like John Malkovich. He's the only one that can, you know, get the plane landed, track back down the convicts. He He's the inside man, you know. He'll never forget his Ranger training. Plus, incredible hair. Incredible hair. You know, just, just a, an all-round great, great movie. But my actual peak performance and I think I gave a peak performance to John Travolta for this, is for Face Off. And so in this movie, John Travolta, Nicolas Cage, swap faces. And to this day, I genuinely believe, you know, it makes me, it's so confusing even to think about that, like the way they kind of, you know, switch into each other's character is so well done. And it still sticks with me today as a as a fantastic sort of um, action uh, sort of low-key science fiction, very fun movie of the 90s. And I think Nicolas Cage, fantastic bad guy in this movie, particularly when we were kind of used to seeing him as a bit of a, a hero most of the time. And he starts off the movie, obviously, as a hero, mm. but unfortunately doesn't stay that way. Great choice. How about you? Absolutely great choice. I, um, I think... He has made a number of movies. He has made a number of good movies recently, which like you, I haven't seen. But in between that, Dan, I don't want to start hating on the guy, but there's been a number of movies that if you just quickly flick through them and look at ratings, and there looks to be a lot of straight to what would have been straight to DVD. I guess it's straight to straight to Amazon Prime video, lolly jar stuff. I don't know. There's There's a lot of stuff in there that maybe wasn't. And so like you... I've gone back to classic cage. Uh, I've got there's two years between my choices this week, Dan. Always interested as to how far apart they are. My honourable mention is your peak performance. So, so 1997's Face Off, absolutely superb. All of the things you said, John Woo directing 
uh, it was perfect. I mean, this is the type of place where I want to see John Woo directing because, of course, he got the Mission Impossible 2 gig off of the back of the success of this movie, and it didn't quite work for me there. But here, the direction for Nicolas Cage and John Travolta together was absolutely superb. It's it's one of those... I feel like we need to... There are some classics that we need to revisit. Um, a lot of them maybe on Disney Star, I think, as well. And I think we should we might have to, to dive into those because this would definitely fall in there. I just I just don't think we get movies like no. this anymore. Like The Rock, Kanye, Face Off, Broken Arrow. Like they're just not a, a type of movie that is made anymore. And it's it was a special it, time. It is, and it's interesting because when people when I thought of thinking about movies from the sixties or the seventies or the eighties, I have a very clear picture in my mind of what that you know, especially the eighties, I think, what that looks like and what it feels like. But until you just saying those names there is screams 90s that is 90s right those are the things that scream 90s to me and it is something that's been lost in it's something that's classic he's a name that screams 90s to me christian yeah. slater like <laughs> you know where is that guy now like he just he was in um a recent episode of the office when they were doing a, a promo of um when the dunder mifflin gets brought by saber and i was just like christian slater he was the man and uh, you just don't I'll tell you where you will see him and that was in dr death he was absolutely brilliant in that TV show, Dr. Death, I reviewed uh, a few months back. Um, so, yes, yeah, so that's that's my honourable mention. Um, and it was a real tough pick between a few of those classics that you you mentioned, actually. My peak performance, though, this was a really easy choice for me. And I always prefer that when than when I'm sort of wrestling with one or two or three contenders. And so my peak performance for Nicolas Cage is the Madden Scorsese movie, that he was the lead actor in it's 1999's bringing out the dead and i feel like this is a movie that has flown under the radar somehow for many people i feel like very few people i've ever spoken to have ever seen it or have even heard of it like if you ask someone to name madden scorsese movies most people could probably reel off 10 and this would not feature in amongst it um is this one that's been on your i'm one of those people yeah i have never heard of it never know nothing about it i encountered this all the time it was i think it was the first movie i saw when i moved to canada i lived in canada for a couple of years and it was the first movie i went to see at the cinema when i was there and i just thought it was absolutely absolutely superb it's a really engrossing stressful movie uh it's like it's not like not like uncut gems sort of stress but just like this unrelenting lack of sleep nicholas cage plays this this uh ambulance uh paramedic he's burnt out um he's haunted by the memory of uh, of the patients that he wasn't able to save and he's just trying to to stay sane through the night and it's it's like one of those if you have one of those dreams where you, you no matter which way you look you just can't quite focus it's it's kind of like that it's a very it's a sensory overload kind of movie which makes it a real experience to watch and he's opposite john goodman in the ambulance it is an absolutely superb watch and definitely as soon as i saw it i was like that's my peak performance i am intrigued by the cast alone patricia arquette mm. um john Bing goodman Rains, cliff Curtis. More. a lot of 90s names oh, in there amazing yeah. yeah yeah definitely i'm surprised i've anyway i'll add it to the list if i can um find it somewhere to watch yeah well paul that probably brings us to the end of another episode of the Half Measures podcast. It does indeed. Uh, so thank you for 
you know, for joining the actors and the writers and directors who listened to Half Measures podcast by listening in this week. If you disagreed with something Dan said, or if you have a peak performance for Nicolas Cage, uh, we'd love to hear from you on our social media or in our Discord chat. Also, a very special shout out to our Patreon producers, Samara Whiting King, Trisha Brady, and Diana Kanawa. If you too would like to become a Patreon producer, then you can find those details in the show notes below. But until next week, everyone, adios.